Amen and amen. Well, you may be seated and open your Bibles tonight to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We are in a series called In Training. And uh, this is the third installment in this series on exercising ourselves unto godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself... Rather, unto godliness. In verse 8, For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and that's where we is right now, and of that which is to come. Notice with me in verse 15, Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Thank God there is profit from serving God. Amen. Living for God is not detrimental to a successful life, but rather it is profitable unto all things. Amen. The New Living Translation says this, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in that which is to come. The message translation says it like this. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both for today and forever. Now, let me give you once again the definition of training. You know, the Hagans were here last week, and, and I think I missed a Wednesday night, so the series is a little bit herky-jerky. So let's, let's define what training is once again. Training involves a skill or behavior that can be learned or practiced through instruction over a period of time. Progress does not come by trying. Progress in our life comes by training. Amen. Amen. A person tonight that is flying over the Atlantic Ocean to London, England from New York City had better be trained. He doesn't get on there and say, well, I'll try to get you to Gatwick. No, you'd want to get out of that jet in a mighty big hurry. Amen. Now, training... For godliness. Godliness is a good thing. You know what godliness is? It's to become like God. You know what a Christian is, don't you? A Christian is one who's Christ-like. A Christian is one that is just like the Master. So, training in godliness doesn't just impact your future. But it's got benefits for you now. And I want to tell you that there are basically three areas of our lives that it will have an impact on us if we'll begin to train ourselves according to the Word of God. Number one, how we think, how we speak. Is it important, the words we say? 
Is it important the thoughts that we allow in our mind every day? How we think, how we speak, and then how we do or how we act. Now the last time I preached a little bit on how do we view God. You see, because how we view God, it affects the way that we think about God. Let me just ask you a few questions tonight. Let me see how sharp you are. First question, is God good? Yes. <laughs> Second question, is God bigger than your problems? Yes. Third question, does God care for you? Yes. Does he care about you? Yes. How about this one? Does God know what's going on in your life? Yes. Oh, hallelujah. This is a very attentive class. In other words, your view of God must be based on your knowledge of God. And your knowledge of God not only comes from the Word of God, but your knowledge of God comes through intimacy with God or with the Father. So as you have a healthy view of God, and we talked about how that God revealed his, Himself through His names, Jehovah Raha, Jehovah Shalom, El Shaddai, El Elyon, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Rapha, our physician, and he began to reveal his will and his plan through the ages, through the word of the living God. Aren't you glad you can view God through the lens of his word? The truth of the matter is God is wild about you. My father loves me. My daddy, daddy loves me. And not only is he with me, but he's also for me. And if God be for you, brother and sister, what difference does it make that anything comes against you? But not only is he with us and for us, but he's on the inside of us. You can't get any better than that. That's why John said, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Say that with me real strong right now. Greater is he, greater is he that, is in me that is in me than he that's in the world. So what we are talking about is we're talking about being in training. In training. We are to be in training. Did you know what? Not just for maintenance. Okay? I mean... It's good if people maintain. If they haven't been doing anything, they need to get to the maintenance stage. But it is the plan of God for there to be some growth taking place. And some transformation taking place in our life. There needs to be some changes made. Amen. In our lives. And oftentimes it begins with the way we think and the way we speak. I'll tell you what growth and progress will do. Growth and progress will produce joy in your life. Amen. When I got the statistic that we had grown by at least 12% on Sunday morning, it made this pastor happy. I mean, in the midst of all sorts of other negative reports and 
all sorts of different things that people are going through. I tell you what, if you don't watch it, you can lose your joy. But I believe this, that on a personal level, you and I should be pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And if there's something that is out of alignment in our life, we need to get it back in line. And the good news, if you've got the best trainer in the world living on the inside of you, he is the Holy Ghost. He will show you things to come. He will help you do in the natural what you cannot do for yourself. He's a super natural God. Hallelujah. And so then we should never, ever graduate from growing. Amen? There's no such a thing in Christ Jesus as ha- of having arrived. We should never graduate from having an intense hunger for the things of God and for change in our lives. We must not ever get to the point where we just stay the same. We need to break out of the mindset that is so prevalent in the streets in the Bay Area. And that mindset is a slogan, and it says, it's all good. I may never make any progress, Pastor Mark, but it's all good. I got something to tell you, it's not all good. It's not all good to live your life in denial. It's not all good to raise hell and affect people's lives and affect your children and affect the very atmosphere around you and then come up with some sort of cheap excuse. It's all good. It's not all good. (laughs) God is good. And God can take a bad situation and He can turn it around for good for the glory of God. A friend of mine is a chaplain uh, down in Florida, and he has a church of several thousand, and he goes out and rides with the sheriff. And there was a young man back there, and he just had just done some things that just was going to impact his life for a long, long period of time. And he said to the officer, and he said to the chaplain, my pastor friend, hey, and they said, what? It's all good. My pastor friend pointed his finger at him and says, no, it's not all good. Amen. So don't use cheap excuses for bad behavior with some sort of street slogan. If we're going to make progress, if we're going to press toward the goal of being happy and stable and fruitful and blessed, amen, it is going to require some decision on our part. There is a choice that needs to be made regularly. You know, the Bible is full of scriptures which point us to the decision process. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Amen? I said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then what did he say? Choose life. Choose life. Not only so that you may live but so that your seed can enjoy the blessings of the choices that you have made in your life. Did you know that the choices that you make in your life on a daily basis affect people around you? The choices I make as a senior pastor affects this church. 
Amen. The choices that you make as a father, as a mother, as a grandfather or a granddaughter can affect generations. The truth of the matter is, is we are not living for ourselves. The Bible says that we are not our own. We belong to God. And our lives belong to Him. So, there's a decision required. Yet, listen to this. Your progress, your change, and your growth just doesn't happen automatically because you made a decision. Are you listening now? I'm telling you, there is a huge gap between what we want or know to do and what we actually do. How many times on New Year's Day are resolutions made? You know, resolutions are made on New Year's Day and by February, all of the workout facilities in the Bay Area, I mean in January, they're jam-packed. I mean, they really are jam-packed, but by February, it really thins out. See, just making a decision really, really is not good enough. You know, the Apostle Paul dealt with this gap. Did you know that? The Apostle Paul dealt with the gap of knowing what to do, what was right, and yet still battling with something that was warring against his soul. It is the age-old battle, ladies and gentlemen, of the flesh versus the spirit. And it's something that we deal with on a daily basis. And that is why he said, walk in the spirit and you will not, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I want you to look with me at the New Living Testament, if you would, in Romans chapter 7. It's kind of an interesting set of scriptures, but I want you to... To see if the Apostle Paul battled with knowing what to do, what was right, and not doing it, you know that you're going to be tempted with the same thing. Notice with me in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 25, we're going to look at the New Living Translation, and and I'm just going to read it to you. Verse uh, 14, it says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself or what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So, I am not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it, and I know that nothing good lives in me, and that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I won't, don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered the principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who shall free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here's the answer. Here's the cure. Here's the victory that overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
Here is power from on high and power from within. That even though there is a battle between your spirit and your flesh, the answer is right here. He said, thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, glory to God. He said, thank God, I know the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the victory over temptation. He is the victory. And he is the key for me from going to the decision to having the power to live a holy, precious, pure life. Woo, glory. And so he said, so you see how it is. He didn't say it's all good. He said, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But what I want you to see is that you are no longer slaves. You are no longer servants. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Hallelujah. You shall have dominion over sin. No more making it a flippant decision and not following through on it. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes into your life, the power from on high will strengthen you and enable you to carry out the will of God. Look at verse 24 and 25 in the message translation. Verse 24 and 25 of that Romans chapter 7 in the message. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I've tried everything and nothing helps. Talk to Dr. Phil. Strike one. Called up Oprah. Strike two. I even... Tweeted, Dr. Oz. <laughs> Strike three. I tried everything and nothing helps. He said, I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Verse 25. The answer, read it with me. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Oh, hallelujah. Let's say those words again. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Treatment centers tonight are full of people that will never be able to stay off of drugs because they're minus a savior. You cannot have a piece of wood as your higher power and live a victorious life over crack. Maharishi, Mishmash, Buddha, Muhammad do not deliver from the guttermost and bring you glory to God in heavenly places. Only Jesus does. Now I want you to look at Philippians 2.13 in the New Living Translation again. See, you've got the power. Say it with me. I, 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 I me, me, I have, I have the, power. the power. Not a power. But you've got the power. Philippians 2.13, New Living Translation says, For it is God working in me. And He's giving me the desire. And He's giving me the power to do what pleases Him. See, He'd be an unjust God to tell you to do certain things that were burdensome. No. His commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous. Along with the commandment, He gives you the power to live it. Look at the Amplified Version in Philippians 
This is good food right here. This is victory food. You came in to have your faith fueled tonight, didn't you? You didn't come in here for three points and a poem from Pastor Mark. Notice this with me. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while, effectually, He's working in you. And not only that, He's energizing and He's creating in your life the power and desire, both, number one, to will and to do for His good pleasure, to work for Him and for His satisfaction and delight. So power is available. I don't believe that life should be stagnant. And I don't believe that we who are going through this journey of life, I don't believe that life is static. I don't believe that when you're really a true, committed, sold-out Christian, that things can stay the same. But progress, ladies and gentlemen, is to be desired. And progress is required. And decision attached to the power of God must be made. A decision alone isn't enough. We must have His presence. We must have His wisdom. And thank God we've got His power. So when we're talking about now this important series on being in training and exercising ourselves unto godliness, then we need to talk about spiritual disciplines. We need to talk about uh, certain practices, or we could say steps, if you will, on the path that take us to and really maximize God's presence in our life, God's power, and God's wisdom. I believe with all of my heart that spiritual disciplines are not to be looked upon as chores. Spiritual disciplines are not to be looked upon as something, oh, I guess it's time to get in the Word. Or I guess it's time to go to church. No. John Ortberg said this. He said, spiritual disciplines are conduits of God's grace, sails to catch the winds of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual disciplines. And they have a great impact on how you think, how you speak, and how you act. There are certain spiritual disciplines that we engage in. And then there are certain spiritual disciplines that we are, we could say, that involve abstinence. Let me show you what I mean. Disciplines of engagement would be to study the Word, to worship, to celebrate, service. You're engaged, fully engaged. You're fellowshipping. The spiritual discipline of faith's confession and making declarations of what God's Word says about you. That is something that should be a part of our daily routine. Friendship with God is something that we should engage in. When the Bible says, if you'll draw near to me, it's not just a one-way thing. He said, if you will draw near to me, if you will come close to me, I will come close to you. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And then there are things that, that we need to pull away from. Sometimes God will lead you to fast. Got mighty quiet. 
there's other times where, well, God will lead you to pull away and to get away and to go to a place of, of solitude, a place where there's not a bunch of noise. See, there's, there's times where the Lord will lead you by His Spirit to just have time with Him, to wait on Him, where you're not so connected with all of the things of the world. And I'm talking about iPhones and iPads and iPods and, and all of the things that are so wonderfully available to us, but if we don't deal with them in a proper way, that which is intended to be a blessing can be a curse to you. See, we all need to hear from God. Do we not? We need to be able to be aware of His whispers. And shutting down the voice of the world does not just happen like that. It takes discipline. I have certain places that I go to that I can bank on. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be disturbed. I can't study here at church. There's too many distractions. I can't go into my office and just close the door and say, okay, I'm going to spend three, four hours in the Word. I can't do it. There's just too much going on. And so I have my closet at home, otherwise affectionately known as the cave. It's the man cave. Pastor Tom is going, yeah, I got one too. Amen. And then there's other places that I'll go to from time to time. Not every day. Because I believe we all ought to have a prayer closet at home. We all ought to have a place at home where the TV ain't blaring. Amen? Where the phone's not ringing. We need to have that place at home. But then there are places... I, I like to look at them as, as places of solitude. It might be a park. It might be laying under a tree with your Bible. Amen? It might be the ocean. Wherever it is, find your place and connect with God there. Amen? Amen? And so, it's important that we understand His works, His Word, and that we're able to pick up on His whispers. That still, small voice. See, God communicates with us in different ways, doesn't He? God communicates me with me sometimes through other believers. God communicates with me sometimes through someone giving a testimony of what God's done in their life. Through the witness. There's other times that God communicates with me through the whisper. That still small voice. That knowing on the inside. Other times He communicates with me with His works. Look at what He's already done. But mostly, God communicates with His sons and His daughters through His Word. Listen to me. The Word of God is God speaking to you. And we need to read it. We need to establish a time where the Word is being read. And where the Word is being heard. And where the Word is being meditated on. I believe that we ought not to go, go a day without hearing from our sponsor. 
we must have continual exposure to the Word of God. And His Word must be first place in our lives. It is the answer for you. It is strength when you're weak. It's encouragement when you need encouragement. Turn me to Psalm 119. Let's look at verse 7 through 11. Psalm 119, verse 7 through 11. He said, I'll praise you and give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn by sanctified experience your righteous judgment, your decisions against and punishments for particular lines of thought and conduct. Go on right through verse 11. I will keep your statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Your word have I laid up. Everyone say laid up. Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not what? Will the word strengthen you and enable you not to sin? Absolutely. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, dear saints. His word is more necessary and more desirable than your necessary food. His word is more necessary than silver. The word of the living God is more necessary than gold. The Bible says it is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Listen to what the word says about his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. Come on, somebody. He said, forever, O Lord, my Word is settled in heaven. The Bible says that His Word rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes, lightens our paths, warns us, heals us, directs us, and makes us wiser than our enemies. Thank you for your Word. Yes, indeed. Nothing is more important while you are in training to become more Christ-like than hearing and obeying the Word of God. The Scripture says in 2 Timothy 2.15, He says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Thank God for His Word. I've been inspired by it. How about you? I've been taught by it. How about you? I've been corrected by it. I've been rebuked by it. I've been brought from being out of line to back in line by the Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17... It says, and I'm reading from a different translation, but all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So if you expose yourself to the Word, it's going to direct you. It's going to correct you. And you will end up 
well on your way to live in a happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed life. In training, be in the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You that go to a Word church should never come to church without a Bible. Thank God for the you know, the screens and thank God for the people who work there and try to keep up with us. Thank God for them. But we ought to have the word with us. You know, the word might be on your smartphone. How many of you got smartphones? How many of you got dumb phones? What's a dumb phone look like? Is it like this big? (laughs) So... Let his word dwell in you. Glory to God. It'll speak to you. It will direct you. Turn me to Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. Remember now on Sunday morning we're talking about the blessed life or the prosperous life. And we've looked at the word blessed and the word blessed means happy, to be envied, prosperous. One person defined the word blessed as empowered to prosper. So let's read it like that. Empowered to prosper. Or we could say it this way. Empowered to make progress. Empowered to go from one degree of glory to the next. Empowered to go from strength to strength. Empowered to go from wisdom to wisdom. Blessed, empowered to prosper is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Look at verse 2. But his delight, glory, you ought to get delighted in the law of the Lord. You ought to get happy in the Word of God. You don't need a movie to make you happy. You don't need entertainment to make you happy. The Word is enough. Thy words were found and I did eat them. And they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. A friend of mine tells a story of being in healing school down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And healing school primarily took place after lunch. And you know what happens after lunch to people sometimes. (laughs) Their eyes get droopy, right? And this friend of mine said he'd already been in three classes, four classes. So he'd been in the Word all morning. Then he said he and his buddy went across the street to the Monterey house and had a full-blown Mexican meal. Mexican lunch. And so he said Brother Hagin that day was sort of teaching line upon line. And their eyes were getting heavy. In other words, it wasn't a camp meeting atmosphere. There wasn't a lot of running and shouting, you know, like we do, like we have. But he said he was just kind of teaching line upon line. And he and his friend would be sitting like where you two were sitting. Their eyes were getting real droopy. And just about to fall out off their chair, you know, just complete slumber. I see that sometimes in this church. And Brother Hagin saw that, you know. 
And he walked down to them. And he looked him right in the eye. He says, get excited, boys. Get excited, boys. Get excited. He says, that's when the word will work for you. When you get excited about the word. And they kind of, you know, straighten up. Say, yeah, we're excited. Glory to God. (laughs) But I tell you, it's true. We need to get excited and stay excited about the things of God. Never take the church. Never take the Bible for granted. Oh, but be on fire. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. A fire that never goes out. A zeal that never burns up. But his delight, this blessed man, his delight is in the word of God. And in his word, does he meditate by day and by night? And look at the next verse. And here's what will happen. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And his life will be fruitful. And fruit will come in its season. His leaf will not wither. But whatever he does. I like that, don't you? Whatever you do. When you're a blessed man. When you have adopted the spiritual discipline of meditating in the word of God. Whatever you do will prosper. Whatever you do will succeed because you've got the word out in front of you and you've put the priority of the word out in front of everything you do, every decision you make. So you're walking in the spirit because you're walking in the word and whatever you do and whatever you put your hand to prospers. Your decisions are prospering. Your marriage is prospering. Your relationships are prospering. Your church is prospering. Your business is prospering. Whatever he doeth. Whatever, whatever you do, your investments will prosper. Because you're not living a flaky, flippant life. But you've gotten serious about the king and his kingdom. And about his way of being and doing right. And you've aligned yourself with the word. You're not trying to get the word to line up with your lifestyle. But you're aligning your life with the Word's lifestyle. You got your stuff together. And whatever you do. (laughs) Whatever you do, Vern. Wherever you go, you're blessed. You're like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Glory to God. When the world's leaf starts withering, your leaf won't wither. No, you'll be fat. You'll be flourishing in the courts of your God because you're planted in the house of God and the word is planted deeply in your root system. Hallelujah, Jimmy. That's good news, isn't it? Glory to God. I want to shout about it. Woo! Glory to God. I want to get happy about it. That's when the word works for you. When you get so excited about it, you could just tear the building up. Smith Wigglesworth said, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Amen. You get this word in you, you will get bigger. And your influence will begin to expand. 
Brenda's doing a great teaching on Sunday night. Don't miss it. Part of it is what we heard down at Brother Moore's Week of Increase about heart expansion and having a bigger heart and so that we can go from this low land of being restricted and how we see ourselves and all of past experience dictating to what we view our life as. If you view you, your life through the lens of past experience, you're going to come up short every time. But if you view your life by the bigness of God and the goodness of God, and if, you, if God could just open us up, if He could just open, 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 open our hearts up, there would be some wonderful things happening in us and all around us. Don't miss Sunday nights. It's good. Don't miss Sunday morning because it's good. Matter of fact, it's all good. According to the Word of God. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. So you can't develop, you can't, you know, make progress spiritually without meditating in the Word. Turn with me to Joshua 1 verse 8. And uh, I am going to stop. I learned from Pastor Kenneth Hagin Jr. Don't preach beyond the high point in your messages. Amen. That's where a lot of preachers lose people. They go to a very high place in the service. And then they feel like they're going to get through their notes. I've been delivered from getting through my notes a long time ago. Amen. You understand we're at a high point. We're at a high point in the service. Faith is high. Amen. Lord God, nothing's impossible to him that believeth. Amen. This book of the law, this word, it'll not depart out of thy mouth. Don't let it depart. But you shall meditate. You shall talk to yourself. You shall ponder. You shall dwell on. You shall be a word junkie. Day and night. And as a result, you begin to see some things. You'll observe. You'll be able to do what you have meditated upon. For then, the government won't have to make your way prosperous. Doctor, whatever, won't have to make your way prosperous. You, by the sword of the Spirit, which belongs to you as a part of the whole armor of God, you will make your way prosperous. You got God backing you up. And you and God are a majority. You'll make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. That sounds like it's well worth being in training. Let's stand up. Amen. Glory to God. Let's pray and let's praise Him for a moment. Father, thank you so much. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to train us, to develop us. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my friends that are here today. I pray that you would strengthen every one of us with mighty power by the Holy Ghost on the inside. Lord, I pray that what we see help us to see. What we don't know, help us to know. Raise both hands and say, today, I declare that I am in training. Thank you, Lord, 
for all that's needed. All that you've given me. Hallelujah. All things pertaining to life and godliness. I shall be faithful with what you have provided. I am in training. And the grace of God. And the favor of God. Is enabling me. To succeed in everything I do. Whatever I do. Shall prosper. Did you receive the word tonight? Let's give him praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.